Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Thank you very much, Sam Davis. I'm Jack Roach here with Michael Calamari and Julia Moss for another edition of Pick and Pod. We've got all your basketball news covered, and we've got a lot to break down in particularly the New York area, but across the entire association. Sam put it best. First, guys, how are we doing today? Now, I'm doing great. It's a great time to talk some basketball because we're getting down to the wire. Ten days left in the regular season where it's do or die time for uh, do or die time for a lot of these teams at the edge of the playoff picture. We know the Eastern Conference is set, but for the West, there's still a lot of storylines on who can, who won't make the playoffs. So I'm just super excited to get into it. Yeah, Michael said it best. It's a great time to be a basketball fan. It's a great time for me to be on my first podcast on Pick and Pod. So I'm really? really? Yeah, I'm excited wow. to be here. Oh wow. my God, do this do, is a special episode. I, do we do something special for like... Well, the special thing is we got to talk about the Grizzlies. Because, oh, for sure. 100%. I mean, you, you said half the team's resting. Yeah, you know, they're playing the Suns coming up too, which would have been a great game if they were all playing, but they locked up the two seed. Not a really... I mean, listen, if anything, we've seen when the Grizzlies are missing guys, they play better. Yeah. So maybe they'll, they'll come out and they'll score like 150 points. Then. And a shout out to uh, um, another WFUV or Chris Persiani. His case against John Moran is always how good the Grizzlies are without him, which I think says more about how good the Grizzlies are and less about John Moran. I think he's terrific. But that team, they, they're going to surprise people because I think not a lot of people think they're a legit two seed, but I think they can, they can win a series or two. Chris Persiani is, is the perfect transition here because – we we got to talk about the Knicks. Okay, I I didn't I wanted to hold out for no. Nah, we got to talk about the Knicks. I'm sorry. Um, Mike Kalmar is our Knicks beat reporter. Held it down at Madison Square Garden all season long. But thank you, thank you. Unfortunately, you're not going to be seeing any playoff action because the Knicks are officially eliminated. Is that is that the current? They, they with the with the Hawks win. Uh, last night the Knicks were officially eliminated from the playoffs. That's correct. And I guess the first thing that that jumps out to me is what better team, what better player to to make it official than the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young knocking the Knicks out. I mean, you go to any concert, any big public gathering, and you're going to hear those words about Trey Young that, that we can't say on air, unfortunately. I mean, Trey Young is probably the most hated man in New York behind Bill de Blasio. Is that, is that a fair assessment? If you want to get political, yes. I think, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think maybe, yeah. Uh, but, you, I mean, you said it great. It's a great storyline that the Hawks end the Knicks season, even though they weren't playing each other, for the second straight year, you can say. Uh, but... It's just a disappointment for the Knicks because I think there were chances. They had opportunities all season long to get back into the playoff picture. The one for me is just a week ago when the Knicks played the Hawks. Knicks are five games back in the playoff picture, and they play the team ahead of them. So a win puts them four games back. A loss puts them six games back. They lose to the Atlanta Hawks at Madison Square Garden. And for me, that's the moment for the Knicks where they lost any chances of making this playoffs. 
they played some pretty good basketball towards the end of the season. They started to get hot. We saw what R.J. Barrett did all season long. He's got 20 points averaged on the season. Uh, big increase from what he did in his first two years here in the league. So I think there's something to be excited about the Knicks, but you can't not be disappointed with missing the playoffs after the success you had last season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, my opinion on the Knicks overall is just when you have a head coach that kind of has a reputation for playing older guys and vets when you're kind of in a rebuild at this point, I just don't think it's going to end very well as long as Thibodeau's your coach. That, I mean, I'm so glad that you mentioned Tibbs because you knew what you were getting into when you brought him in last year. And, you know, there was a bit of a slow start last year, but you saw how they finished. And... I think the expectations for this team were certainly to improve uh, on what we got last year in that 2021 season. They were the the fourth seed in the East. We're 10 games above 500. I don't remember the the stat, the specific stat, but I think they finished on some absurd like 16-4 run. Well, I remember All-Star uh game last year Knicks weren't even 500 yet, if I'm correct. They didn't get above 500 until after the All-Star break. so uh, Or they might have been 500. But th- the point is, is they did not have a winning record till after the All-Star break last year. And I think for a lot of fans, they were looking at this season like, okay, we're going to do the same thing we did last year. But the truth of the matter was, is this was not as good of a defensive team that um, the Knicks were last year. Julius Randle regressed massively this year compared to last year. Three-point percentage down, points per game down, efficiency down. And the only bright spot that you can look at this season and be satisfied with is the growth in R.J. Barrett. And that's why, if you're a Knicks fan, I think there's more, the higher, the ceiling is higher now than it was last year. Because really? Of, I, think, I think so, because R.J. Barrett was a player that was not efficient from the field last year. He was a player that you know struggled at times to be aggressive, taking it to the basket. And although his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, down from the year before, points per game up, he looks more confident on the floor. If you go to Knicks games, you can really see him taking control of the team. So I think that the Knicks know more about the group of guys they have this year than they did last year. I think Randall probably would be dealt in the offseason or moved away from and I think they can work through the draft to get some pieces to move through the East. Were they ever going to be contenders with the roster they had last year? No, I don't think so. But I think you really found something in R.J. Barrett this year that can make you happy moving forward. And I know they're probably going to make some changes with their coaching. Maybe Coach Tom Thibodeau probably won't return, if I had to say. And I think that there's some hope for the Knicks. I think there is. You have a 21-year-old that is averaging 20 points per game. And if you have that, then you have to be excited. I, I, I want to pick up there because you mentioned that the brightest spot for the Knicks was R.J. Barrett, has been R.J. Barrett, 20.1 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, and just under three assists per game really showed promise for the future. And I think that if you told you know the average Knicks fan last year that after finishing 41 and 31, the fourth seed in the East, you go out and you make some big offseason signings, right? You get Kemba Walker, you sign Evan Fournier, who was one of the top free agents. It wasn't the, the world's strongest class. After those top guys went out, you really were left with guys like Fournier, who hasn't been that disappointing. I think he broke the record for most threes in a Knicks season. And with all that in mind, you look at the Knicks right now, and 
they're eliminated from the playoffs, and we've still got a week or two of games left. I think the blame has to fall on Tom Thibodeau. Julie, I want to start with you first. Is Tibbs going to be the coach for the Knicks next year? I hope not. Um, I think the chances are a lot higher than they should be. Again, I mean, you've got R.J. Barrett, who's I think is going to be a superstar coming up in the next few years. I mean, he took a huge step this year, probably take another big step this year. But when you look at the rest of the roster, it really is a young talent that I think is going to have to step up, and they can't really step up without playing. So I hope they make a change. Yeah, I, when I look at this Knicks team, you know, and Coach Tom Thibodeau, I think a huge problem, if you heard the Knicks fans all season, was play the young guys. And when you bring in Evan Fournier, you bring Kemba Walker in, they assume two starting roles. You know, Kemba Walker didn't finish out the season with the Knicks, but it took away time from Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin. Mm -hmm. You know, Deuce McBride was back and forth between the Westchester Knicks and the New York Knicks. And I, I look at what he did with the roster, you think about Alec Burks, he's playing more than these young guys. It was structured to be a win-now team with the amount of veteran presence you had, but you were not close to that. And I think what happened this year, what I mentioned with R.J. Barrett and the leap he made, is that now you really know what direction you're going in. You're building for the next 10 years, not the next two or three. R.J. Barrett, 21 years old. He's had a fantastic year. And I think that next year there's going to be more of a focus on getting guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, uh, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, serious playing time. And we saw that towards the end of the season. I think the front office got involved. Leon Rose said, listen, uh, Tibbs, you got to start getting these guys playing time. We saw Jericho Sims leap uh, uh, so many more minutes at the end of the season than he did in the previous first half of the year. And I think the same is going to be for Emmanuel quickly over top and Quinn Grimes next year. And that's why I say the ceiling's higher for the Knicks now because they have a focus. They're going to get rid of Alec Burks. They're going to get rid of, I think, Kemba Walker. Julius Randle might even go. I think they're going to get a new coach in there. And they are going to focus on building the young core of this team up. You have to forego the idea that you are going to get a big splash signing because history has proved otherwise. And I think now the Knicks are starting to realize that they're going to build with youth and not through the free agency, and they're going to get rid of these veteran guys that are really just taking time from the young players. So you you do not think they're going to make a big free agent signing? No, I have no reason to believe uh, someone wants to come to Knicks. I think last year when they were fourth, they looked a lot better of a landing spot, and now they are out of the playoffs, and with everything going on with Coach Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randle, the big question marks there. Uh, does, is there a free agent that wants to Damian Lillard? Like who we talk? Oh, like? That's the thing. I thought I thought you were saying that you get the young guys minutes, you get the big free agent, and no, I was I was no. ready to call you look, out. Look at look at what the Memphis Grizzlies have done. I mean, now we got a Memphis Grizzlies fan. I'll talk about them. They didn't really use a big time signing to uh, to propel them to second place in the West. They built it through the draft, and they built it with young guys. I'm not saying R.J. Barrett's John Morant, but there's a formula to winning without a key offseason acquisition, and I think the Knicks have to listen to that, and that's why I think they know more about their team now than they did last year. Knicks got a lot of decisions to make this offseason. Coaching, roster, there, there's a lot of moves there, but let's talk about a team in the New York area that is in the playoff race, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. Right now they sit at the eighth seed at... 40 and 37, nine games back from first place, and 
four and a half out of the six seeds. So it looks like they're going to be a play-in team last night, go to overtime against the number two seed Milwaukee Bucks, who are 48 and 28, starting to play their best basketball, shaping up into that playoff form. And we really got a preview of playoff basketball last night. Bucks take that one 120 to 119 in overtime. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch this one, but if you did, immediate reactions to to me that that was probably the greatest game of basketball I've ever physically been at. Julia, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I caught the second half, and it was a great time to start watching. I think. I mean, Kevin Durant had two different chances to end the game, and neither of the shots were bad. I mean, I think either of them could have easily went in, especially that last one in overtime. I I mean, I don't know. I if I'm Cleveland, I'm scared personally. I, 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 listen, I'm a Cavs fan. I know that's going to shock people, but LeBron James, always a, a close place in my heart. So I think this Cleveland team is legit. But listen, if the Nets are going to be the scariest eighth seed, eighth seed if they make it uh, into that play-in. I think they there's still a little bit of a time to maybe creep into the seventh. But listen, they're going to be a, they're going to be tough for any play-in team, and you got to be thinking if they rise into that seven seed come playoff time that two seed is not going to want to play whoever that ends up being well listen I really think that last night was a preview of of a first round matchup because listen the Cavs they're a good team losing Ricky Rubio was it's huge. a loss it's a loss I think Colin Sexton too earlier in the season but they didn't even have him from the beginning from listen the it's been all Darius Garland for that team he's been terrific and Mobley the job he's done with a rookie I think he's easily top three in rookie of the year discussion. Mm-hmm. They play team basketball. Kevin Love has done a great job filling in that sixth-man role. I personally think that he is the sixth man over Tyler Hero. And I'll tell you why, because Kevin Love's per six, 36 minutes are much better than Tyler Hero. Hero does a great job with the amount of usage he has, but I think Kevin Love's leadership and the job he's done with the limited amount of minutes he gets has made him a terrific sixth man. That's a different discussion. But... Yeah, I was ready. I was ready to launch into that. <laughs> Tyler Hero's on the best team in the. You know, Tyler Hero, so good. <laughs> um, no, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm biased to the Cavs, um, but listen, anything can happen in two games. And if the Nets go 0 and 2, that would be brutal. I don't think that's going to happen. But listen, you don't build this roster to be in a play. That's one of my biggest takeaways from this season. You don't okay. have Kevin Durant. I know the injuries. I know the vaccine situation with Kyrie, but you had James Harden for a lot of that season. And you still struggled to win games. You went on that big-time losing streak, you know, right around when you trade James Harden. And then Seth Curry, Andre Drummond come in, kind of spark some life into the team. Uh, I don't know. I'm really mixed on this Nets team. And I think that it was a disappointment for them to be where they are in the Eastern Conference, but... Now the time is to win a championship, and I think it's going to be tough for them to do so, but they are going to send whatever team they face in the first round if they make it past the play-in to six or seven games. I think that's a certainty. Well, that's the, Mike, you can talk about the very legitimate and fair criticisms of the Nets throughout the regular season, but the reality is the team that they're putting out right now is right there with the top teams in the league. And what are they? They are six and four over their last ten. So nothing like no Boston Celtic type runs. Um, no, not everyone can be your team, Jack. <laughs> I'm waiting for the eye roll from from Alex Wolves, our producer. Um, but 
the game that we saw last night proves to me that they are right there with the best teams in the league. The Bucks are the re, uh, defending champions, and I think that they're poised to potentially make it a repeat. The Nets are the eighth seed, so they're going to have that plan game against the Cavs, most likely. Well, the Hornets are the same record as the Nets, and so do the Hawks. So that's where it gets interesting, where there's a lot on the line where the Nets could be in the... They might have to win to Their get in. Their schedule's not that tough, though. Their schedule's not... They 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 go up against the Hawks, the Rockets, the Knicks. Cavs could be a, a preview, and then the Pacers. So yeah, I think that, they probably go three and two over that stretch, and I do think they seal that seven seed. Let's say they go up in a seven game series against Milwaukee. I mean, you guys, did you see? Do you remember last year the semifinal matchup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Th- I mean, is toe ben, on the line. Is Ben Simmons playing or not? No, he's not. He's not going to play. I, I I'll take. The Bucks. I don't know about you, Julia. Yeah, I I take the Bucks too. I think it's gonna be a really good series, especially after watching last night. Like that game was insane. But I think I think the Bucks really pull it out. I, I think people underestimate getting healthy at the end of the season doesn't mean that you're automatically the team you were with all those guys together before. And what I mean by that is what the talk has been around the Lakers, which I think we're gonna get to. Later has been they get guys healthy at the right time they can still be threats to win it all but in my opinion the Bucks have been you know pretty healthy all year long mm-hmm. and they're forty eight twenty eight they have been able to build that chemistry all season long they know how to work each off each other guys come off injury now suddenly the whole team's turned up to upside down that chemistry doesn't immediately come back together and and I think it's tough to ask that of the Lakers and. For the Nets, for example, if you get welcome back Ben Simmons, but now Kyrie Irving's a full-time player, it doesn't immediately all swing back together. And that's where I lean on the Bucks in this one. And l- listen, I I think the East is is one of the few years it's almost as good as the West. I think I think, I think it's, it's better than the West. I don't think it's really? a t- the top. I do the top teams. I know the top teams. They gotta be. Watch your map. You got it, Memphis. No, Grizzlies no, fan. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, but I I I don't know. I mean, you got. Two good teams in the West, right? No, yeah. Memphis would be first in the East, and the Suns are probably the best team in basketball. So. For sure. No, but you got the Suns and the Grizzlies, right? Everything beyond that doesn't really... I mean, if a three through whatever seed in the West made the championship, I would be shocked. Golden Absolutely State included? Sho- Sorry? Golden State included? Absolutely. Gotcha. So you're really... It, they're it's they're top, frauds. It's top-heavy. It's really... It's a. <laughs> I mean, t- the Timberwolves are a seven seed. I think compare that to the Nets. It's it's not even close. But yeah, to, are you to get me? back to the to the conversation, let's move all the way back mm-hmm. to the Nets. Thank where, you, Mike. where we were. I'm I'm, I'm keeping us. You, you need to you need to draw me back. I, I get too Listen, eager. We get so passionate <laughs> about basketball. Soon we're talking about a totally different conference across the uh, across the uh, the states. But listen, listen. Get back to the to the East. The Nets are going to be a tough task for any team like the Bucks and. We've seen what Kyrie done. Kyrie Irving's done earlier this season. Since becoming a full-time player, he's kind of struggled. But um, not last night. Well, before that, he was I think like shooting. He's only played. This is only his third game at home. <laughs> Come on. All right, all right. Oh, what's not the home. Tra- was, we talk the- about the small sample size with John Moran. It was two games, you know. And, and then he he was great last night. Ir- I, Irving, see, this, this is what I'm saying with Irving is when he gets going with Kevin Durant, they are going to push a team to six or seven games. That's without a doubt. I don't know if they're going to be able to edge a team out. So if I had to say right now, the Nets don't have enough in them to be 
champ championship contenders because they're gonna have to. They're gonna have every team they're gonna face in this playoffs is gonna have home court advantage. They're gonna have to go on the road four games out of seven every time after the play in, and that's I. And no longer you can say the Kyrie Irving can play away games because that doesn't affect it. And for me, it's gonna they're gonna have to do so much to get to the finals and. I don't see it. I think next year is where you really look at this team when you welcome back Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving full-time. That's the year they're going to really be contenders. N- not this one for me. That's my final take, final okay, okay, take okay. on the Nets. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up the Nets talk because I've spent so much time around this team this year, and I've developed a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for the Nets. I think that, first off, you can't you – can't, say that other teams have this like crazy advantage with the home court advantage you know but then say that Kyrie doesn't play well at home you know no I didn't say that I said since being a full-time player he has struggled and that's he has he said and I mean that's away and home I never said that he struggles he's been crushing it on the road I remember his first game he really struggled yes he did but I'm not concerned about Kyrie Irving and last night was an uncharacteristic shooting night for Kevin Durant. It, it wasn't even that he was missing shots. It, that It's that he wasn't taking them. He wasn't able to find open shots. Milwaukee swarmed him on defense. And in that fourth quarter, I want to say midway through the fourth quarter, he was up to 11 assists, which is right there, if not his season high. I think that this Nets team has a lot of different strengths, and they do have a lot of different weaknesses. But when you have guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that can impact the game outside of their typical... Like, KD, we all know him as a scorer, right? But last night, we saw him play good defense and be a facilitator when he was really just... I mean, he couldn't get a shot off. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's funny that that last shot of the game that he missed was like one of the most open, you know, like it was just, he, he didn't get the shots or, or the looks that he usually gets. I am just, I'm torn because the, I, I need you to make a pick. I need you to, I think the Nets would beat the Bucks in seven game series. I think they match up against them very well. Hmm. And we forget how tight that series was last year. Even when Kyrie and James Harden were in and out. You never had a game with the two of them playing at the same time. So the Nets have been used to battling through perseverance, especially against the Bucks. So I would take the Nets in a seven-game series. And you you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, that, that play-in is kind of sealed now with the Knicks being bounced. You've got the Hawks, the Hornets, the Nets, and the Cavs. That's going to be your 7 through 10, most likely. But you take a look at the Western Conference, and... You've got some teams hovering around that 9 or 10 or 11. You've got the Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Lakers. I know the Kings and the Blazers are close, but I really think that it's going to come down to those three teams. Only two of them can make it. Mike, who's the odd one out? This is tough, and I'm a huge, huge Lakers Lakers fan because uh, of LeBron James. I think of more Cavs, but I want to see LeBron win. So I root for the Lakers. But when I look at the season they've had, the up and downs they've had, nothing tells me that they are ready to make the playoffs. So I'm going to pick the, the Pelicans mm-hmm. uh, as the because they just have the two-game uh, advantage over uh, the Spurs and the Lakers. But I'm going to go Spurs as my 
my second team. I think the Lakers missed the playoffs. If you look at their schedule, the Pelicans-Lakers game tonight at 10.30. Both teams need that. Then you got the Nuggets, the Suns, the Warriors, the Thunder, then the Nuggets again. This is the Lakers schedule? That's the Lakers schedule. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I look at that schedule. Oh, my goodness. And I, I, I don't see how they can... I, they've been good teams throughout this year. They've played down to teams, but... They're in the midst of a huge slip, four-game uh, four losing streak. So I, I, I just don't see anything that gives me confidence about this this Lakers uh, this Lakers squad. They've lost five out of their last six, four games straight. They're, they're not ready for the playoffs here. I think it's the best thing for them. The injuries they've had, the load LeBron James has had to carry. I think the bigger question is, will LeBron James be the scoring champ at the end of the year or then the Lakers make the playoffs? Because my picks are the Pelicans and the Spurs. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that a team that has Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook are like not for sure in the playoff picture right now, and I don't think they're going to be either. They, again, losing five of their last six, that's, I mean, that's insane to me. And when you're looking at the rest of the West, there's a lot of teams that are kind of on an up uptick in playoff playoff standings and and just performance in general and I don't think that they have the the heart I don't even know if they really like they're not playing like they want to be in the playoffs either mm-hmm. so I don't have the Lakers Lakers making it whatsoever um, a team though that I am a little bit rooting for and I feel like a lot of people are are not looking at them as much as the Clippers because uh, the Clippers they won't have Kawhi for the the play in series but after that if they can get past whatever team they're playing which right now it's looking like it's going to be the Timberwolves if if they can lock down the Timberwolves and they make it to the next series, I really think they can make a run here. And, and would Kawhi? Is there any chance that he could play in these playoffs here? I haven't I haven't been following that too closely. From what I read, he's definitely not playing the play in series, but it's looking like he's going to be back if they make the first playoff. Well, I think series. a lot of the West is if guys are going to return from injuries. There's a Kawhi storyline. There's uh, the uh, the neg- the Nuggets situation where it's Murray and uh, Porter who could come back and help out that team so there's a lot of storylines and then Steph Curry he's been battling through injuries at the end of this season is he going to be fully healthy to help the Warriors make a run in the the postseason so injuries are definitely part of the talk in the West and that's going to affect a lot of the teams and whether they're going to be able to make runs and you know back to the to the bottom of the playoff picture I think all the teams are talking about even if the Lakers get in none of them are postseason threats Really? Very rarely see. I mean, we said the same thing about the Lakers last season. They get the play in versus the Warriors. LeBron James has a terrific game to take down Steph Curry and th- that eight seed. They Lakers earn the seven seed. They go up against the Suns. We think it's the same scenario. Lakers get a win early in that series, but by the end of it, it's all Phoenix and they take the Lakers down. And listen, I think even if it's the Grizzlies this time around and the Lakers do win that early play-in game and they find a way to get into the seventh seed, then I still think it's all Memphis in that one. And if it's Suns, it's not. I think it's a sweep by the Suns. Now, a team, I think that, I agree with you guys. I think that it's going to be very difficult for the Lakers with their upcoming schedule. But I do trust LeBron. Something that I'm fascinated by in the Western Conference play-in picture is the Pelicans and you look back at that draft John Morant number two Zion Williamson number one and 
There's a source on Twitter right now that's talking about how Zion has skipped three on three. He's gone straight to five on five. So you I, I, you told us this pre-show. Yeah, you did. And this is the same um, New Orleans basketball podcast who they they hyped up this video of, of Zion dunking, like this between the dunk uh, leg dunk, and hours later it came out. So I don't know how much legitimacy there I, is. To I think this. there's a lot of difference between an in between dunk and Zion's return. No, no, but but I, I trust they got one thing right, and I'm gonna roll with them for another because if Zion Williamson is able to return for this Pelicans team, and let's say they win, you know, a play in game, they could be going up potentially against. The Memphis Grit, you know, because I, I don't know. I would love you, to see. Are you saying that the the, the uh, Pelicans could beat the Grizzlies? Well, let's defer to our, our Grizzlies expert, Julia, <laughs> right? They've got the, the number two seed locked up. Right. I, I mean, even if Zion comes back, I really don't see this being a threat to the Grizzlies. First and foremost, because, I mean, the team chemistry within Zion and the Pelicans is not good at all. I mean... What was that story a little bit ago? It was like CJ McCollum signed and yeah, Zion never even. I think he's just learning. He's learning how to become a leader. He's he's twenty one years old. And for me, you know, yeah, for me, Julia, it's more about how good this Grizzly team has been. Six straight wins, right. I think, and they're nine and one in the last ten. I mean, that team is so good. And some of those games without John Moran, right? Or, right. And when you have Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, he leads the league by a lot in total blocks, and he also leads the league in blocks per game. Zion is pretty much just dunking. I mean, no. that's it. Oh, I don't know. I mean, definitely not. I don't know. He's I just, a great player. He is a great player, but I, I think Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense, I feel like that won't be a threat a at match. all. Yeah. I, I think Jaron Jackson's a great player and just the depth of this Grizzlies team. And they are the second seed for a reason. I think just the names get we get too caught up in names in, in the NBA. And I players, couldn't agree more. And the Grizzlies are a good basketball team. The Celtics are a good basketball team. Those teams can win series, and those teams can make runs, and we saw that with the Heat in the bubble in 2020. Jimmy Butler, the best player on the team, but they still took down a lot of the top dogs in the East to get there. So, listen, I'm all in on the Grizzlies. Well, let, let me tell you this. The Celtics would not be where they are right now without Jason Tatum. They would not be able to win 18 games in a 20-game stretch. It's, it's Tatum. It's also Without the de- Jason Tatum. It's also the defense. It's also the defense. They play team bas- team defense, uh, team basketball and defense. That's where it is. Gotcha. They're probably. I think in the last twenty five games, are the best defensive team in basketball. My point is though, is that I am shocked at how good this Grizzlies team is without their best player. I- I'm not gonna try and pull the argument. They're they're <laughs> better without him, whatever. But they're the two seed, and they've gotten that, and they've claimed it without him. Julia, how far is this Grizzlies team going, assuming or knowing that you're getting that that star point guard back? And are they a team that could come out of the West this year? I think they are. I mean, of course, I'm a little biased on the situation, but I think this Grizzlies team is really special because it's doing something that not a lot of teams have done to this extent, and that is build a team based off draftees. I mean, just mm-hmm. looking at, I mean, I'm just going to read off a list of the people we've drafted in the past like four years. John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks, and Brandon Clark. Like, that list right there, I mean, that's kind of their core, you know? And they drafted all of them, and I feel like that's why we are so good without John Morant is because we have a team full of even our role players. I mean, I feel like they've said before, they definitely have said before that a lot of their role players could be starters on 17 or 18 other, like, NBA teams. 
And I think that's true. And yeah, when you have a team that's as full as this one, I, I don't see like a, a team that's led by one or two superstars stopping them. Yeah, I, I agree. I really like this Grizzlies team. And I take, stock, I take stock in regular season records. I know the Raptors are kind of that team in mind where they were so good in the East, number one seed, and you know they, they fall early. But listen, the West this year, the top two teams, I think are the top two teams in all the NBA. Sun 62 and 14. They are absolutely terrific in the west they're 37 and 9 so they they beat the teams in the west and then you look at the grizzlies the job they've done the streak they are on both the suns and the grizzlies have won nine out of their last 10 and the Crazy. suns are on a nine game winning streak so those are the two best teams in basketball and after that i think uh it gets a little dicey in the west a lot of questions about steph curry if he's going to be healthy come playoff time and um, the Mavericks is three seed. I, I love Luka, and I think he's a terrific player. But for me, it's still the, the top two teams. And I think that's going to be an easier discussion than the Eastern Conference where there's so much moving parts, so many things can happen if the nuts get, if the Nets get hot, if the, the Heat are going to be the one seed they are right now, if the Celtics can keep on playing the basketball defensively, they've been doing late in the season. The 76ers would harden and beat. The West is easier for me. The East gets complicated. Those are where the storylines are. Mike, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I love to hate on the Grizzlies, but really, it's it, it is a two-team race. We talk about the play-in, but you know, I I just don't see you know as much as I like to poke fun. I don't see the Pelicans beating the Grizzlies. That that's my response to the question, but. I think that we covered it all today. You know, we took a look at the Knicks being bounced, knocked out of the playoffs this year to, you know, Chris Persianen's, uh <laughs> breaks his heart, I'm sure. Um, so sorry to all the Knicks fans out there. The Nets looks like they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. We saw it last night. And the Western Conference playoff picture gets more interesting every day. For Mike Calamari and Julian Moss, I'm Jack Roach signing off from Pick and Pod. Find all your news basketball related right here on WFUV Sports.